five, four, three, three two, two, one. one. There we go. There we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, what's crack a What's going on? You have joined number 18, the eight, episode number 18 of the Mosby Learning Podcast. This is, uh, well, I'll tell you what, this one's not live, but who knows what the future brings for us. Yes. Uh, we just did a little, uh, little trial balloon there of some interesting technology, which maybe we'll kind of uh, dig into in a future date, but... Um, we don't dig by ourselves here. My name is Dan Hurt, and I'm calling in from Mississauga, Ontario. And my name is Adam Costex, and calling from Dallas, Fort Worth. Cynthia Gibbs from Texas. From Texas, just Texas this time. Nothing fancy. There's no stars. <laughs> All right. There's a lone star. <laughs> There's just the one, really. It's the saddest star. One's the loneliest number, is what I've heard. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you can find the show notes for this show, mosby.ca slash 018. And what you're going to find is a, is a handful of interesting articles, I think, that all have to do with training. Some of them, it's interesting. Some of them have to do with, man, all sorts of uh, stuff. We've got fast food going on today. We got, uh, we got uh, well, kind of elementary education, but I think there's actually a spin into uh, into the training room as opposed to the classroom we also have something else coming up for what else was that other thing that was for uh yeah physical restraints we got some interesting articles today uh we also have i think there's a really uh, an interesting can training fix it this is an interesting a situation that's happened to this woman three times in a row she can't seem to get this figured out we're going to see if we can help her a little bit later on and then we're also going to talk about how long it takes to make anything I'll tell you what, uh, it takes a while to make a podcast, but uh, we're going to give this our best shot. And um, now it's, it had been a while since we had heard from our friends on the uh, the West Coast here. But, um, I, you know, I, I received an inner office envelope the other day. Uh-oh. And, yeah. No, those still happen? I didn't know we had those. Well, it, you know, I don't want to say it's after you came back we got another one. <laughs> but um, You done messed up, A.A. We did, in fact, get it. We got a note from Portland here, and uh, it's, it, well, it's interesting. So it's it's a there's there's a couple things going on here. There's a, there's a request for clarification, there is a correction, and there's also a privilege check that we have uh, from Portland. So here's uh, here's kind of how the message mail. I had to, there's a lot in there. Well, you know, it's a thick envelope. You know how they are with the yeah. dots and the strings and stuff. Yes. All right, so here's okay. Um, here's how the the message kind of starts to, uh, to to me here. It says, "Please review co-host comments below." And request for clarification from the individual before the office processes any sort of apology order. So, and here's the the note here. It says for uh, so Adam K. This is to you. Now hey. it's interesting. Yeah. See, that's what I thought. That's interesting because um, I don't know. I don't know. They just uh, they don't know how to spell uh, caustics. Well, there is a K in caustics, though. Yeah. Well, it's kind of so. Middle. Yeah. Well, anyways, I don't know how they do things over there. Yes. You know. Maybe they spell so anyways, differently. Uh, Okay, so uh, what I have to do is I got to ask you why you found it kind of interesting that Thai people would be trained in massage therapy or in the food service industry. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how we're going to start the episode off. Yeah. Yeah, And, uh, you know, for everybody listening, that was from a previous uh, news article about re 
skilling uh, workers. Well, everybody that, have that to go listened back. to this article uh, or this podcast has listened to the previous oh, episode I'm, I'm seventeen. Sure they, they do. So, so they know. Just kind of teasing. They back know to there them. was an article yeah, that about, had to do mm-hmm. with Thai Thai workers that were working in South Korea that were basically they they were beyond their visitor mm-hmm. visas, um, and so they weren't even visiting. They were working, mm-hmm. and and South Korea said you got to get out. So. Um, so did you have any thoughts on that? I, I really didn't. Uh, I have no experience in that in, in that at all, and uh, I wouldn't even know where to go. I think I was just using the wrong words there. So, yeah, don't okay. really have much else to say about that and subject at all. I have um, no. That's good. I've submitted your response. <laughs> Thank you very much, uh, Cynthia. Now it actually looks like you've got uh, you've got an exemption here for some reason. Doesn't say why, but um, something you were not exempt from was your sarcastic suggestion <laughs> that our world's act are not role models and on that note we would like to apologize uh, from the Mosby Learning Podcast to the Screen Actors Guild for that particular misstep SAG members are the faces and voices that entertain and inform America and the world and their contributions should not be trivialized now uh, lastly in the uh, check your privilege category uh, and this is as it as it's written here. It says uh, you will no longer complain about your lack of grocery baggers in your rural utopian grocery stores. We had a number of people complain who live in a bag yourself state and province uh, that said like uh, you sounded like elitist snobs. So there you go. <laughs> but I mean, uh, I mean, do you have baggers where you live in in Canada? Uh, let me think about Actually, this. do you guys even have bags? I could see you guys getting completely away do from we have bags. bags. Do we have bags? We have bags, dude. What do you think our milk comes in up here? Yeah, milk comes in bags over here. You didn't know. Oh, people really? don't know that. Wait, what? Yeah. No, yeah. Like an actual you, like soft bag? <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting because you get a you get a pack of three and they're liters. So you you guys deal more with quarts and liters. I think they're like five milliliters different or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that whole but, metric uh, system's complicated. It's actually the simplest thing in the goddamn world, but um, it's it's a base of 10. So if you look at your fingers, that's how many like a unit is. It's 10. But um, anyhow, it. yeah, it comes in a bag where and, and so there's actually a whole industry in uh, in Canada of jugs to slip the bag into and little cutters to cut the little thing, the little corner tip off of the bag of milk. So, so there's a whole bunch of states in the United States getting rid of bags in you know cities yeah, and whatnot. Yeah, and they're actually, voting on yeah, it. Yeah, to get so rid of it. I, in Canada, yeah. you put your milk in bags. That just we seems, lean into bags here. Yeah, I, I just you got to lean. In. It's a Cheryl, Cheryl Sandberg sort of situation up here when it comes to bags. That's amazing. And I, I plastic, I saw... it's got to be bad for you too, right? Doesn't plastic leach into plastic? The milk? Yeah, it leaches, what, right? right? You don't have any food that comes in plastic wrappers, like microwave burritos or anything? No, we're saving the environment down here. There you go. Well, that's good. Speaking of California, we're going to talk about them in a few minutes, but um, we'll uh, we'll get there soon. We've got a couple articles to touch on before that, and as they're listed here in the show notes, which I am confident today we have all reviewed, there's uh, there's one here, and Adam, you, you put this on the list here. Fast food manager reprimanded for sending worker home for wearing a hijab. Now, just on a, on a personal note, um, I actually lived about seven minutes away from where this restaurant uh, is in uh, in Saginaw, Texas. Really? Because I uh, I used to live in uh, North Fort Worth there, and it was right around the corner. Saginaw, interesting area. It uh, there are these just massive silos. You guys ever been through there? Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Yeah, they got those. I don't know what they're, if they're grain or corn or what the hell they are. Or maybe they're cattle silos. I don't know if there's cattle silos. But no? Mm, they don't look like water. No, they're concrete, I think. But anyways, just these things that are on the horizon. And because it's Texas, you can just see forever. Um, but yeah, really, really uh, wild there. So why don't you walk us through this one, man? Yeah, so... Because so, I've got some questions. I've got some comments here. <laughs> so pretty much it, it, it was an employee who... Uh, well, a lady came in to Chicken Express. She was getting some food. And then the employee basically said you need to remove this. And it actually was another employee. Wait a said, second. Wait no, a it was second. an employee That's to not... an employee. Um, and she said, you need to did remove it. Did you read it. the article? I did. And I was I was going down to the training part. So, um, and then... Well, the, okay. Jump to the training part then. Yes. We'll talk about that. Okay. We'll, we'll go down there. But the there was an apology made for the mistake. Basically, mm-hmm. they said, take off your hijab or, and, and then, or go home. And the person's like, well, I'm not taking it off. I'm, Muslim. I'm not going to do that. I thought it was really interesting from a training perspective, Chicken Express franchisee is addressing the issue through additional training and the person who was told to take off the hijab has been asked to participate in developing the training so that a mistake like this will not happen again. And yeah. and then I, I, it ends with a comment here of the manager has been reprimanded for his decision and he will receive further training on how to properly handle similar situations in the future. Well, what kind is of that training was he given in the beginning at yeah, all? Yeah, Beg, begs that question, doesn't it? Well, there's a couple other questions that I think are relevant that uh, are towards the front of the article that a Control-F search for the word training won't take you to. Um, what did we have here? So this was... Uh, this was so So the manager. It was a male manager that gave her the choice of take it off or go home. But... Here is so she she posted a thing to social media after the initial ultimatum I guess was given to her. She she it's it's listed here as it was an ultimatum. I'm sure it sounds like it. Uh, but she says she was told to take off her hijab or go home. And then we have a quote here. He called me into the office and he's like, and then an additional quote. I talked to the area coach and she said that you're not allowed to wear it because it's not part of the uniform policy. So he actually got his orders from above. So I find this particular fellow is in a bit of a rock and a hard place situation because mm-hmm. we've got somebody that's like a regional sort of uh, individual that says, no, nope, can't do it. Not part of the uniform policy, which seems kind of short sighted, I guess. Um, uh, but or he supported deaf, it, maybe, too, though. But... And he was like, OK, then you're just going to have to we're just going to have to send you home. So he he supported what the person well, yeah, said. I, I, sure, 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 sure. I'm, I'm not saying that. It sounded to me like he... Okay, so was it her direct manager from the article? With what I saw, it was the manager's manager who told him he had to say that to her. Yes, that's correct, Gibbs. And so who's the one getting the training and who's the one who got in trouble? The manager's so, so manager it's, it's, or it's the manager? The the big manager's a lady, the the store manager's a man, and then the employee is, is a lady or, or a young woman, I think. And so the the man is the one that has to get the extra training because he didn't handle it well, I guess, while he was marching orders from above. Uh, you, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Now, one, something else that's kind of interesting is uh, it says that she converted to Islam several months ago. So I don't know if this was like her first shift back after... Her conversion? Uh, I don't know how this works. I don't know how this works. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to pretend to know. I'm not really sure either. But you know, I, I, I know this is not a can training fix this article, 
But do you think training is going to solve this issue for the manager? Or do you think this is an awareness item or is it even a training item? Is it just don't tell your employees to take things off? Or is it more of one of those things where you need to go into the handbook and say what is acceptable and it would be more inclusionary? Go ahead, Gibbs. Well, and I guess my question is, is... Cynthia, hang on. Cynthia is busy texting me for some (laughs) reason. What are you doing, man? Because I don't want to say... We're doing a show. (laughs) Because I don't want to say it out loud. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh boy oh boy um, so, I guess we get another letter from Portland next week so I'm not saying anything um, so I guess here's my thought so there have been several different types of popular stores not just this one where diversity training or inclusion training has happened and Starbucks, Starbucks. The same, <laughs> no, not necessarily. But then All the right. same situation kind of situation happens again, maybe with a different religion, maybe with a different career choice kind of things. And then they're like, well, well, I'll give them diversity training. And there's a couple companies that like, okay, this keeps happening. And your answer keeps saying, well, we'll give more diversity and inclusion training. And you know, so I don't I don't know if training can fix it. Uh, I think I think this is actually kind of a policy issue, you know, um, and it's so easy to say, uh, why don't just like religious garments accepted? Bingo. Like, Done. How is how is that not the easiest well, seven words or and well, honestly, on, if it's not going from words. a policy standpoint too, if if it's not going to affect her safety or other people's safety from wearing it what's the big deal mm, mm. well I, I it what's the big deal but i do see you know from certain you know private companies though if you have a, a look right like you don't want a, a bunch of guys with face tattoos i mean it's a choice of your employee if they come in with a face tattoo and they're see, serving the public and i'm a franchisee owner i don't probably want a face tattoo on you it's probably not a good look mm. and i apologize to everybody with face tattoos but, but okay, but here's, here's the, the – I think the difference, though, too, is she just started wearing it. If they hired a person – Recently, yeah. Re, if right, the, yeah. And the guy goes and gets it, then I, I don't know. I don't the know. face tattoo, you mean? Yeah. Everything's got to start sometime, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't know. Um, I just thought it was an interesting and, thing to throw training as the solution. And, you know, it's one of those ones where it's like, okay, well, they need to be trained more. But is that really, is that manager but, really learning anything? He got reprimanded. Oh, so, he got in but trouble. But isn't Hang that on. always the solution? And that's a problem we have is being in learning development is everyone's like, well, just train them. Just give them training. I, Let's just train them. I think, I, I, can, think that's the I think I can partially help you answer that because who would be interested on providing training like that probably some sort of consultant that specializes in identifying these sort of problems so there is an inherent conflict of interest for people that provide the solution that they feel very strongly about and identify and i'm not specifically just targeting out this sort of circumstance but i mean if you say hey man oh green doors man no that's bad bad you know what i got a door painting company like, well, okay, yeah. whatever, man. Um, should we all just agree to move on here? Sure. 
we all be more comfortable if we moved on. Let's move on. And then, I know and then I we won't have to text behind the scenes, so that'll be good, too. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's interesting is, Gibbs, when we were running uh, a retail university there, I would try to send Gibbs messages subtly through instant message to be like, <laughs> hey, maybe you know this or that. And she's like, Dan, what are you talking about on here? Just blasting it out over the, uh, over the webinar. <laughs> She has a habit of calling people out. I think she called me out in an interview today, and I'm like, oh, wonderful. Yeah, it was great. Do we want to do we want well, to review that? Did we, no, I don't remember, I don't remember the whole thing, but I got called out in an interview. It was about being honest. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, he's like, well, let me be honest for once. I was yeah. like, uh. Oh, Jesus I, Christ. I said that like 45 minutes into the interview. We had a great candidate. She was fantastic. And then I, I, I used the, you know, the filler words of, so let me be honest for once. And I started talking and gives like, so you've been lying this whole time? <laughs> the whole time. The whole time. Nice job, man. I was like, yeah, fantastic. Certain filler words are no bueno. No bueno. All right, so the next thing that we're going to talk about here is, uh, after I write down this time code, there's uh, there's another one that, uh, that you brought to the table. Man, you brought it. You brought it today, I'm telling you. Dead. Inside a training course where school... Oh, so you know what? I should have sourced that first one. And the uh, the show notes, again, if you go to uh, mosby.ca slash 018, you'll find the, uh, the show notes for this. And that first article was from uh, NBCDFW.com. Slash news, so we'll uh, we'll give the link for that. This link is from po, uh, ProPublica. ProPublica. I'm assuming it's ProPublica. Uh, inside a training course where school workers learn how to physically restrain students. Now, uh, what did you like about this? What caught your eye? What are we What are we talking about here? Um, well, it caught my eye because all the school workers were having to go through this training to say, "Here's how you hmm. restrain kids." It, was it all the school workers? I don't know if it was all the school workers, but there was many, many. I don't believe it was because there's a comment later on about um, though, like implying that, yeah, certain people use force, not all of them. So, again, I have to ask, did you read the article, Adam? <laughs> I did. Okay. All right. Well, I just want to be sure. And it did. All let's right. clarify, too, though, that the article said they were training this only for major emergencies. Like extreme. I missed that one. Yeah. I, I know. Yeah. It, it wasn't, uh, this wasn't like softball sort of stuff. This was no, fairly serious. Extreme situations was the only time you should, you should do that. Like when somebody's eating Doritos? No. No. Cause that's pretty stream from what I understand. All right. Um, all right. Walk us through this article as we, uh, just quietly berate you. <laughs> exactly. I was like, oh, here we go. After the training, <laughs> They were talking about was the are they going to actually apply the training in their job? And so what they did is they started analyzing and saying they analyzed fifty thousand incident reports to write the project, and and it was did the workers actually do what they had been taught? So this is this is investigative reporting basically. So it's Correct. not the school board looking into this; it's the ProPublica organization in Chicago, Illinois, looking into this for the Chicago suburb area. I think. Well, Correct. no, they went, actually went. It was an investigative report where they actually went and took the class with teachers. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm saying the review of the fifty thousand records was part of their journalistic was situation. part of the journalistic part yeah absolutely but what they were basically saying is that the training said that 
physical restraint should only be used in a safety emergency. So then they went through all these records and said, okay, in the training, it tells you to do this. And in the investigative reporting, you're correct, Dan, they basically documented thousands of times when school employees restrained children for lots of inappropriate reasons. And that was basically the gist of it is that everybody went through this training, was supposed to solve it, was supposed to tell the people restraining people exactly when to use that force, and they were doing it wrong. Because they were doing it in all types of situations. Correct. Yeah, when they were more angry than anything. Well, I shouldn't say that. It does. There's no qualitative measure to it, but it sounds like, um, yeah, they weren't following the book and they were doing it when they were also emotionally charged in some instances, and that's specifically when they're not supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. There's um, there's a couple of things that I thought were interesting. The fact that the, uh, the journalist who is Jennifer Smith Richards from the Chicago Tribune, that she took the training. So she and, and you know, I, I mean, that's certainly part of research, but that's almost becoming like a subject matter expert in its in, in some fraction. You know, right. so that's uh, I think that's that's admirable to, to take journalism to that extent, because how often is journalism just a piece of shit opinion article anymore? That's that's basically all they are. And then there's reactions to various piece of shit um, opinion articles like that. That makes up 80 percent of news. Just those two stupid things right there. Whereas this is somebody that's actually going the extra mile, becoming a subject matter expert, uh, educating himself on the situation. Uh, and then, yeah, finding a legit problem, a legit gap in the um, in the actions of the uh, of the employees. Yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, and quite frankly, you know, I, I was looking at it, and I, I, I was when I was skimming the bottom part, uh, the end of the article, it was talking about like holding down the arms and legs of how the person being restrained was not giving in resistance, but in the training they were still holding them down. And, the, and their kids and so they were you know that physical restraint was not really probably a good thing especially when it's used out of context yeah now i, I think i think you might have got something backwards there. it sounded like you said that in the training they were doing it extra they were holding it down when it wasn't appropriate yeah when the trainees were holding down arms and legs of how even when the person being restrained offered no resistance that's how the training was so in a in a real life scenario they were doing it in the training <laughs> uh, I missed that. I, I missed that part of the article. Mm-hmm. Where did you find that part? Mm, at the very bottom. Prove that I did this wrong. <laughs> I'll read it exactly to you. It's, I thought back to yeah. those moments it's on the math. It's a difficult article. When the, yeah, the yeah. trainees were There's holding... way more words than I'm used to. Oh, my goodness. Gosh. <laughs> pictures. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, although there were illustrations. That was kind of nice. Maybe the training wasn't working and maybe the article's not working, but she was thinking back to the, to the moments on the mats when the trainees were holding down mm-hmm. arms and legs and how even when the mm-hmm. person being restrained offered no resistance, the act felt so visceral and so invasive. Oh, well, that's just because that the person that's that doing the role play that they're not fighting back. Right, but I it, think she's just. But it was. She, the I don't same. think she's making like a judgment call on even <laughs> the trainees were screwing up. I think she's just saying that it felt weird because you're restraining somebody when they're not providing a resistance. Yes. Confused. Well, that makes three of us. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, what was the objective? Wow. <laughs> and our other, and our fourth listener there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Where did this went way off base? Well, what's it, okay? What's interesting is it's actually a really nice segue from there to uh, to the article that you you kind of brought to the table today, Gibbs, because uh, that that article that we just barely f- stumbled through, 
um, <laughs> was uh, that so that was about re- restraining uh, students that are really really lashing out. And the next article that we have is is again talking about students. So I kind of like to tie that ProPublica one into you know becoming a SME, and and then there's the actual role play piece. So there, there's there's legit connections to it. Now this one, uh, I think there's also a really strong connection to it that we need to consider after we look at it. But it's also about willful defiance of students. So why don't you, uh, Cynthia? Why don't you walk us through it? Yeah. So. Um- I actually saw this from um, a couple of during the holidays um, on Facebook where, um, you know, (laughs) well, um, where where in California, as of January 1st, I guess they voted on some new laws. Uh, They voted on state school laws, just like they voted not to have bags anymore in California and to charge you 25 cents if you asked for a bag. Um, I heard that's one of the uh, one of the reasons that they have poop on every yeah. single corner. So so what they voted for was that kids heard. in first through fifth grade cannot be suspended for willfully defying teachers or administrators. Uh, and part of their reasoning is because they're saying uh, it. They found it says supporters say suspensions for willful defiance are disproportionately used against students of color. Um, so that's one. And then they changed school times, which part of me wasn't really you know whatever. But the whole yeah, the I thought, I just thought when I saw it the first time because I was a school teacher for over uh, about two or three years for two or three years. And I didn't know that. Yeah. Did I know that? Yeah. yeah. And so, what grades did you teach? Um, fifth grade. Fifth oh. grade. Did you and, learn about restraining you know, kids? Did, well, did you go through any classes on restraint? Is, I'll I'll be honest right. with you because I left dollar. corporate world right and went and got my master's in education, and was a school teacher. Um, and one of the reasons I left, um, one of one of the reasons I left, um was because you the teachers really had no no a, a lot of you know control over mm. that disciplinary stuff and you can know, i ask you what state you were in when this uh, when you were no. doing this um <laughs> okay but i just think it's interesting because you see this thing this article that totally fell apart of the adam sent where teachers are learning how to restrain kids <laughs> obviously in emergency wow. situations and then you have california saying you know, they, you can't suspend students for willfully defying teachers' measures. Now, I don't know how they're defining willfully defying. Just like how are they defining with the restraining, when do you really have to restrain? Like, yeah. what are those emergency situations? I'm assuming they do, but, but I'm, you know, and so it's just one complete opposite spectrums, I kind of feel like. I wonder if it's like a truth-to-power situation. Whenever we have a truth to power, like, I, it, it's a great question. When is that the actual set of circumstances that the the student is willfully defiant? And you already brought up the fact that sources say, um, or supporters of the uh, the bill say that it's disproportionately used against students of color. Now, that's that doesn't come up in that particular article. Well, it, it comes up only in that sentence. There's no sourcing to that. There's no who those supporters happen to be. So that's kind of thin. But um, yeah, and this uh, is a what? short article. I mean, I'm sure there's oh, yeah, the laws are yeah. written, but it's so gen- generic. 
So here's here's kind of what I was thinking. Here's here's the approach for me. A classroom turn that into the training room now. So the way that they word this, uh, or or the way that the laws are set up, is that right now for grade one, like a grade one kid who's willfully defiant, and I don't know, you know, name me a six year old that's not willfully mm-hmm. defiant and a complete pain in the ass. You know what I mean? Like it's just like kids are kids. Um, but and so, so you've got grades. W- that's too. During usually grades one through five, is when a lot of times that's when you are able to determine, you know, if if they're actually maybe are are um, you know, are a have you know certain disabilities or special needs like a learning disability or something. Yeah, yeah. and and so yeah. you know, and so sometimes yeah. You know, they're willfully defiant because they have some kind of disability or some kind of, you know, perhaps ADD and they've never been diagnosed with it or things like that. So, you know, so I get it from that sense. But then at the same time, kids can be kids. Oh, yeah. Well, I think all the time kids are going to be kids. Now, if you let those kids for five years, I don't want to say run amok, but um have control over the classroom ultimately i suppose they could still be disciplined in subway but they can't be suspended that that seems to be what the uh what the legislation says but so you give them five years where they don't have any serious consequences against willful defiance against their uh, authority figures in the classroom and then what they did is i think five years down the line they extend it to um grades six through eight so now you have kids that have gone through eight years of schooling through very formative years not giving a about what their teacher at the front of the room says uh and here's the thing six years later they are going to be in our new higher orientation classes what is that going to look like you know so that's the part that i i have to wonder about is is what happens when we have somebody that has been through an I don't, I'm not encouraged, but they haven't been as discouraged as they could have against, you know, you know ridiculous behavior, well, willful defiance. Like, uh, what else would you call willful defiance? I mean, there's got to be other words for it that are a little more dramatic, but not far from the mark I, that are like. Well, and I don't um, know, because sometimes the things you see that, you know, on YouTube or wherever sometimes, you know, where is is willfully defiant they're physically harming the teacher or you know i don't know well you you can be damn sure they're gonna have a camera in the teacher's face or is it is it when they're just yelling at the teacher and maybe cussing them out yeah probably you know and so they're not they're not gonna get suspended so so how does a world without authority accomplish anything well and i guess then if they're not suspended what's the other what's the is there any punishment and then where detention maybe well and then know. where does the punishment stop right so yeah. It, yeah. if i'm not mistaken in in texas they still allow corporal punishment in schools is that no. correct Mm-mm. i don't Are you think sure? so man. i thought no. they i thought they did I, i'm that well, just been your okay, gym so teacher, let, brother. let's say this <laughs> no. too it's really sometimes it, it depends on um, i'm pretty the sure school they do. district well you know and it, it depends on uh, from what i i know of it um, you know, based on kind of your school, you know, um, mm-hmm. I taught at a, a title one school and it's a little different than the school. What's that mean? Title one. Title one is, uh, tends to be labeled as 80% of the children get free lunches. 
because okay. it's in a, in a poorer area of, okay. of where, wherever city you're working in. Um, okay. And that's typically across the country is what a Title I is. Um, and then you go to a school that's maybe six miles away and not a Title I school. It's a little different, you yeah. know? So, a little different what, what, because, you know, a lot of the Title I schools, unfortunately, you know, they don't really have parent figures in the law census. So Texas is among 15 states that specifically allow the use of corporal punishment. Uh, eight other states have no laws or regulations against but it. They, and but it, they don't. And Texas has the second largest number of school spankings in the United States. Wow, who's first? I don't know. I was just going to kind of find that out. Ranked second to Mississippi in paddling. Yes. Yeah, the data. Wow, this is actually pretty interesting. The data from school year 2015 to 2016 so shows a drop of 8%, but there was still about 4,000 schools that so, continue so to keep spanking. Where are, are you these suggesting? Schools? Are you um, suggesting we bring spanking into the training room? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, no. no I, I thought this that's is, a whole it, HR it's just, issue. It's fascinating this is what, because well, this is what the, I'm hearing. yeah, the district with the most incidences in Texas is an elementary school in City View ISD, um, and then enrollment it has 760 kids. Where Several is, other where Dallas is that? charters. I've never even, never even Dallas heard of charges. that city charters. Um, there's a bunch Not of Dallas Saginaw, charters, Nova Academies campuses, um, Beaumont. And uh, so it is actually fairly prevalent. And, and, I, and the reason I bring it up, I remember when we moved here, um, Jessica and my wife, we were kind of talking about that. We we're like, what? Like, wow. Mm. Like, I thought that went out in the 80s when I was a, was a student. Now, I never got paddled, but I remember the threat of it at school that the, the principal could paddle you. I remember that back in yeah. the day in Michigan. So I don't think I ever got smacked at school, but I most definitely got smacked around at home if I was a, if I was being a pain in the ass. So, I mean, I minded my P's and Q's when I was at school, so it wasn't really a an issue that I recall. Never did it, but yeah, I mean, we should probably bring paddling into the school or into the workplace. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. HR issue. <laughs> It'll be like no days touching. of confused in there, man. <laughs> exactly. With the paddles Trainers going around. bringing their own paddles in. <laughs> getting people to sign them. <laughs> uh, you guys are sick. All right. Was there anything else that uh, you wanted to talk to on that article, Gibbs? No. No. All right. All right. So we're, we're going to move on then to, to something that may... You know, this is... Okay, there's always questions about when is training the most appropriate thing and i'm hoping i'm hoping that we can get there with this maybe it is maybe i don't know but so here's here's the article it's uh well the headline there's actually a lot of information in the headline uh woman says she was trapped for days in a clothing donation bin it's the third time she's been rescued, cops say. So this woman, this is not the first time this has happened. A 38-year-old woman may have spent days trapped inside a clothing donation bin in Patterson, Patterson, New Jersey, uh, before she was rescued by firefighters on Mondays, authorities said. We don't know factually when she went into the bin, but she said she was in there since Friday. Police Director Jerry Spazel, Spazel, Spazel? Spazel? How would you say that? Spazel. Spazel? Jerry S. I wouldn't say it that way. Uh, said Tuesday morning, the woman told police she was reaching inside the bin behind the department building on Broadway when somebody pushed her from behind. Good God. Now, okay. 
If we were to believe, and it's certainly possible, but this is the third time it's happened. So who keeps waiting for this woman to put something in the donation bin to, to shove her in there? It's so okay. And then so, how many times so, is she going to go back to the donation bin at the same time? Take a clue. So That's right. She, send your kid or maybe something. Maybe she donated Jeez. clothes and she left her wedding ring in there. So she's searching for it. And so Three you think times? somebody was just trying to help her? Well, you know, she couldn't find it the first time and she had to go to a meeting. Oof. So she went man. back in. Uh, I'm trying to give her the benefit a, of the doubt. See, I'm no, going the opposite that's, that's way. Awful good, yeah. I was going really the opposite way that she keeps getting stuck in there because she's like a dumb criminal and uh, <laughs> she wants to keep getting the donated clothes, right? Like people have a bunch of clothes in there. It's donated. Like it's probably pretty easy access. Although she tries to go in and she gets stuck. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like flypaper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good lord. So the, the article continues. Once a person inside, uh, once a person is inside the bin, it's nearly impossible to get out due to wow. the configuration of the sliding door on the box. Spazel. Spazel? Sp- you said Spazel, right? Yeah. Spazel. Yeah, it doesn't sound Spazel right. said. Spazel. Rowed. Uh, a person passing the donation box about 11.30 a.m. on Monday heard the woman crying for help inside and called 911, Spazel said. Okay, we get it. The guy keeps saying these things. Every... Oh, my God. That's four sentences in a row that end with Spazel said. Uh, all right. I'm not... I'm done. But are, is this woman done with donation bin uh, camping? That's the question. So do we think that this is a possible training issue? Well, first off, as we always do with this, is this a problem? Can't fix stupid. Well, we so we don't. I mean, <laughs> she said somebody pushed Maybe her. Maybe she's if just we really, really her, charitable. She's always now, donating. Maybe it's like a daily thing. Oh, she's so got first pushed three times. Begin you of, no, she's just a really bad thief, and now you're going <laughs> far to the well, other Spazel side. Well, Spazel said he he kind of he got it in. Spazel, Spazel said, Cap, yeah. Is it cap or cop? Cap or cop. Uh, He said what? He got what in? What? What? Huh? Huh? Who's on first? You said Gibbs, you have also done a 180 here because you you were giving the woman the benefit of the doubt and then you came back back with you can't fix stupid. (laughs) Leopard can't change your spots. Seriously, how do you get stuck in in, in one of these bones? Right? Like, you know, I... How do you get stuck in one of these bins? I've seen it's them. It's easy because you know, if you're leaning really far in and you're short like me, you, your mm-hmm. legs are just kind of hanging there as you're trying so to I grab stuff. So I guess the stuff. question is, why does somebody need to lean in these? The, the ones that I'm I've seen, up. you pull the handle back, you just like the mailbox. You put the thing in, you put the handle back. Yeah, and you, but and you put the handle back up in the upright position and the, 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 the clothes. Don't have in. as strong back muscles or as tall oh, as boy. the rest of you people. Oh, boy. <laughs> It's so easy. we have somebody that's got some sort of atrophied back muscles, and they are, yes. uh, you know, vertically impaired. Yes. Um, hey, I mean, that, that, that sounds like somebody that's sounds like somebody's got enough going on that they just don't need to worry about donating. They need to get a help out. Um, I don't know. I if I had to if I had to guess, I feel as though there's some sort of label that could be put on the device to not lean that, in. Like don't put your don't put wrong. your hand in this a wood is, chipper. This is a non-lean in situation. That's yeah. right. This is the opposite of milk bags. Because you don't want to lean into a donation box. Yeah. So maybe it's a signage issue. It's not trained at all. I think it's a sign issue. It, it, it's kind of like the the wood chipper yeah. thing, right? Like don't put your <laughs> don't put your hand in a wood chipper. Like there's a sign. 
it says it. I mean, it would be obvious for a lot of people, but there's a sign there for a reason. I'm actually in my garage right now, and I'm looking at a step stool. Is that like Jeff like, yeah. Foxworthy signs? Yeah, but like like the step stool that I'm looking at, right, that's sitting next to me, it has a sign of a guy standing on the top thing, and it has a big, like, no, don't stand on the top. Uh, I mean, if they didn't thing. want you to stand on it, they wouldn't make it a step. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, I... I don't think you should stand on it. I think this has become the darkest Mosby ever. Yeah, there's a lot of bad people. There's spanking, Top corporate punishment, people dying, horrible this articles this week. This one should go into week. the memory slot. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, we just need to start over. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, you guys. Well, we're almost near the end. Okay, so we're going to call this a signage issue. Thank you guys for entertaining that uh, that idea that this poor woman trapped for the third time. Uh, presumably in a row, because I, what happens in between? So that's a third time in a row in a clothing donation bin for her. So let's move on to uh, to the big thing here that we're going to talk about this week. And, and before we do, let's do a little bit of a, a reset here. If you wanted to get the show notes for this episode, where would you go? Do you guys know where you go? What do you guys tell me? Mosby.ca slash 18. Gibbs. Zero one eight, very close. We, I put the zero in just to be obnoxious. I think. Yes. Um, no, it's because I'm optimistic. I'm hoping we have at least a hundred. Well, really, that gets us up to nine hundred ninety nine of these. So that is uh, what is that? The next forty five years. So we're gonna. We. I'm optimistic in that sense. Um. Yeah. So uh, dot uh, dot ca slash zero one eight, and um, I don't know if we gave out the email address yet. Have we gotten email yet, Adam? I haven't checked in a little while. Oh, dude. <laughs> we keep giving the email address out. Why don't you take a quick peek while I tell everybody yes. that it's uh, just email us at mosbylearning at gmail.com. And we already apologize for not getting back to you in a timely manner. Um, we'll read it live on the air. <laughs> yeah, we would. We would. Well, actually, speaking of live on the air, we you were tinkering with some possible. You would read it live on the air, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> We would, uh, we're, we're tinkering with some possible technology that for an upcoming uh, session, we might, uh, we might actually do a live recording. Now, these are recorded a little bit later in the evening. So uh, I guess folks on the West Coast in California, they'd be able to hear firsthand um, what we think of their school legislation. But um, yeah, so who knows? All right. Did you, did you, did you find your way into the uh, mailbag did. there, the CBS no. mailbag? No, uh, there is no mail in there, but there is a lot of things from LinkedIn asking if we know a lot of people. It's kind of interesting here. We have lots of invitations on LinkedIn. Yeah, obviously we do. Do we know Bobby We're Powers? Do we know Juan Carlo Clamaca? Uh, there's quite a few other things Who? on here, but no Ooh. direct Juan Carlo Clamaca. No. Nope. I don't know him either. Do but you know him? No, but LinkedIn's asking if we do. Gibbs? I have 13,000 followers, so maybe. No, you don't. <laughs> this is a dubious number. One invitation. Maybe. We have an invitation, though. Hold on. <laughs> Until you log into your LinkedIn in front of me and show me that number, this is, it's a dubious number. I'm sorry. You can look. No, no, no. Prove it. All right. Um, I don't have so, to. So, Okay. <laughs> Then let's move on to the big thing, which is really how much time it takes to develop training material. This is definitely something that uh, I struggle with sometimes to pinpoint a number because oftentimes a subject changes. Uh, the complexity of the subject changes. You know, if I was to create maybe a quick reference guide or just a simple... Uh, a simple screen recording. Well, sometimes they don't take much time at all. Sometimes. Uh, but then if you need to have 
a lot of context that goes with it. You need to have complex scenarios. If you're training somebody how to use a piece of military equipment, well, that certainly stretches it out a little bit. So why don't, um, Adam, you had found a couple uh, good sources to kind of give an idea as far as how much time things do take. Why don't you walk us through a couple of them and maybe uh, why this is on your mind right now? Sure. Yeah. So, so I thought it was interesting and, you know, it, it continues to come up in projects of, you know, the business wants it now and they want it right away. And mm-hmm. they don't really think about the development time that it takes. And so I pulled up two pretty common places um, that, uh, you know, give kind of an idea of what it takes to develop an hour of training. So I wanted to talk to you guys about them of more on the ILT side, right? The e-learning side, that's, I think, a whole different discussion because there's so many different levels of e-learning and I think that's constantly changing. So I wanted us to focus a little bit on what does it take to create an hour of instructor-led training or an hour of virtual training? And I pulled up two studies. One was the ATD study on how long does it take to develop an hour of training. And then the one I pulled up was the 2017 study, which, you know, the time it takes from earlier studies they did, like 2003 average, I mean, it's dropped dramatically, right? We have better really? technology. In 2003, for a traditional training, it was about 45 hours. And 2017, it was about 38 hours, about a 15% drop. Interestingly enough, virtual training went from 55 hours down to 28, almost a 50% drop in development time. That's over the course of 15 years, but you think about WebEx and GoTo, it's a lot better these days. But it's still, uh, you know, I was looking at those numbers. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's still a lot of hours. No, it absolutely is. And and that's why I wanted to get, get an idea from you guys. One of the things that they do take into account, though, in these, in these, uh, these training numbers is it's all parts of the training. So mm-hmm. the, it's SME reviews. And it takes yep. into account the SME reviews and the SME's time that's reviewing it. Um, yes. So I thought it was a little bit interesting on there. It's a lot of time. And the other number I did want to throw out is the Chapman Chapman, Chapman Alliance um, did a big study on it. And they came up with really just ILT, very simple training, learning content, some repurposing of other material, minimum learning support, 22 hours per one hour. So it takes about a week, well, about a half a week to create one hour of training. Absolutely. And then they said, you know, complex subject matter, very custom, extended time, 82 hours to one. And so I kind of wanted mm-hmm. to think about where do you guys see creating an hour of training and so kind of so, get an idea. Yeah, no. So I, I, you know, I haven't seen these numbers in a while, um, mm-hmm. but back at Household HSBC, we used Ding. To, we used to, uh, of course, this is, you know, before e-learning, you know, <laughs> before we actually had laptops. Um, you know, we used to take this research and these numbers to our business partners and, and show them it. And, and that's, you know, how we got more time to build a lot of things because we would show them the facts. We would show them the numbers and say, look, uh, you know according to this research this is how long it's going to take if you want quality work and if you really want to see impact made on your employees then this is what it's going to take us to do um and we had again going back to again it took time for us to get to the adult table and to build relationships and that was a time where people stayed at companies for a long time and of course 
that company, as awesome as it was, people stayed. But, you know, it came to the point where our business partners were like, yeah, we know that this is how long it's going to take. We know we want a week's worth of training. So that's 40 hours. Um, You know, can you give it to us in this amount of time? And so uh, it's kind of funny thing is, you know, and again, it took a while, but we trained them on what it takes for us to give them quality work. Now, again, too, it helped that we proved it with results and we showed them, see, you gave us this time. Now look how great your team is. And we talked a mm. lot about future, not uh, quick band-aids. Agreed. I'm done. <laughs> that was that a was nice good standoff. Like, who, who are we going? Most real learning sign some. off. Uh, sign off time. No, no, I agree. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I definitely think it's changing, right? So I think those numbers are are changing. And, and the reason it was hot on my mind is okay, we're under just immense deadlines, which is great, right? Everybody has to hit different 2020 goals. We're into a new millennium. Uh, is it millennium decade? All of the above? Uh, Not yet. Decade, yeah. According to certain people, the real new decade doesn't start to 2021. Okay. Well, well I it's, think it's a we're new still in the last right? year and, of this decade. I yeah, think. and the business, know. you know, businesses are always wanting to do more and do it faster and everything like that. And so it ties into another article I was reading that I did not share with you guys from Open Sesame. It was a um, an article that I downloaded, and it was talking about buyer build, and it's you know what's right for your training program. It's made by Donald Taylor, and I will put this into show notes also. But I thought it was interesting because in the ATD talk about bringing training time down, right? The virtual instructor led almost went down 50% in the last couple of years. And the uh, just regular ILT went down 50, 15%. I'm almost thinking that training has to go faster. In the article, he talks about, you know, in 2008, just even to produce a car, it took about 60 months from initial design of production. And then by 2013, it dropped to 24 months. And, you know, these older numbers of how fast to create an hour of training, I think, are a little bit outdated. And I think the businesses are moving so fast now that we have to move much faster. Um, in that, in this article, he also talks about, you know, in the basically in the in the 60s, companies would stay in, the, you know, stay um where stocks in the U.S. companies were held for an average eight years. Today, that average is under six months. Everything's moving faster. And so, you know, do we need to even move faster than those numbers? Do we have to get that down to 10 hours per one hour of instruction? To the sacrifice of what, though? Well, that's just it. I mean, doing that makes our material turn into fast food, you know, and there's a place for fast food in the world. And I guess it depends on the type of organization, if that's what they want. Uh, it, you know, how much money are they willing to spend and invest in their people? Now, of course, the, the cycle time of business, that certainly changes it. So you have to have, I think, less complex solution, less polished uh, material sometimes than you'd like to present. But um, I think... I don't know if it's a slippery slope, but I feel like you're probably right. There's, there's, I, I yeah. think that that's that's an accurate assessment that there's a business need to make things move faster. Sure, yep. uh, as, as is always the case. But 
you know, I, I really want to push against that because the concern is then everything just turns into a cardboard cutout of a clown yeah. with red hair, you know, yeah. and nobody wants that. And I, I guess my that. thing, hit- too, is what are the long-term impacts? Because you kind of look at, you know, and because this is how society and culture can be, diet, the fast, quick hit diet. Take this pill and you're going to lose weight you know, 20 pounds in a month if you do this or you do this. Really? But the long term, whatever, you know, I don't know the numbers. But you know, because people want to lose weight or things, so they give them this big pill, this pill or whatever, they lose all this weight. But because they did it so fast or because they didn't make a true lifestyle change or a lasting effect, Mm -hmm. they wind up getting worse health diseases or worse worse health physically or they just wind up gaining all the weight back again and it, it's at least all the way but i think yeah, let me tie this back to to the article i was reading and then tie it back into those numbers and i, Wait, I think, which article well the article i didn't share with you guys uh talking about you know buy versus there um what he was talking about is the speed of business right and he basically yeah. i thought these two things kind of to put in perspective and i'm curious on the impact of lnd is he was talking about it take it took decades for the telephone Right to reach fifty percent mm-hmm. of U.S. households. Yep. In five years, it took to achieve the same penetration with mobile phones. And one more thing here: in 1958, the average company in the S&P index stayed there for 61 years. Today, the average company can expect to stay there no longer than 20. So, mm. you know, we continue to push back as L&D professionals and say, you know, we're not going to be able to do it because it's not going to be correct, or we're not going to be able to build it. I'm almost leaning to the point of we don't have a choice because business is moving so fast. And I know it's a slippery slope and a race to the bottom, but how as learning professionals can we keep up with that type of change in business? Because if we don't, we're not going to be able to say, hey, it's going to take us six months to get something out. Well, in six months, the business is going to change. Well, then you need to brush up on your Asian languages because you're going to be shopping that shit offshore, no problem. Mm-hmm. That's I mean that's that's what's going to end up happening, right? That's what we always do when the business pushes hard, hard, hard. Is you contract it out to wherever there's more bodies than there is money, you know. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's almost one of those things where is that where we're going for a lot of this development? If we have to get faster and faster, just even to keep up with the business. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I feel like there might be a backswing. I. Mm-hmm. There's never I, so there. There is a lot of, at least from my perspective, a lot of uh, fracturing of society, fracturing of culture, fracturing of all these different things. And there's an analogy that I think is apt that I think I heard Malcolm Gladwell talk about one time, and it was about mustard. And the idea was if you just have yellow mustard, French's mustard on the shelf. Maybe forty percent people. And I'm gonna I'm gonna make the numbers up, but the point's the same. So let's say forty percent of people are down with mustard. Okay, great. So there's your mustard market. You got forty percent. But if you can get thirty percent that like Dijon and thirty percent that like honey mustard, well now all of a sudden your mustard market jumps up, and it just keeps going into these smaller, smaller niche markets 
um, that, you know, just keep getting smaller and smaller and more intense. And I think that's probably what you're going to see. So you're going to see some portions of business that are, you know, driven by Wall Street that are Wall Street banking, all that sort of stuff that needs to go quicker, faster all the time. And that's where you're going to see the global connections. But then you're going to have those smaller entities that maybe they're a small group of franchised businesses. Maybe it's a small parts shop that has uh, like a regional representation, those smaller groups where maybe they go the other way. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm hopeful that it's not going to be a blanket change. And, and I think just the way that society is going, that it won't be. So I think there's going to be the ability to pick your flavor of the sort of organization that you want to support. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. I like mustard. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, who doesn't like mustard? And it's paleo compliant. There you know, you it's go. interesting. Speaking of diets. Uh, it, 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 and not to talk about mustard, but let's talk about my uh, another famous subject of mine is beer. Um, it was kind of interesting. I was reading this article about there's a lot of craft beer companies doubling mm. down and making craft non-alcoholic beer. And that this. was a big thing in, in a lot of these craft companies. That's one of their niches. And in 2020, they're expecting a lot of the big players to get into the non-alcoholic craft beer and kind uh, of do that race to the bottom of, you know, Anheuser-Busch yeah. is coming in, the you know, yeah. Coors is coming in, and they're going to jump on it just like they're doing with Seltzer, right? And uh, yep. And then there's the craft guys that are doing it. Hey, we're going to, you know, do it this way and we're going to, you know, really do it the, the, the full way and kind of really look at it that way. You know, I I don't know if I understand non-alcoholic beer. I, I really don't get it. I don't either. There, there, there's not a single th- – this this goes back to the conversation that we had about getting a pretend meat burger somewhere. It's like, what do you – then why eat meat? Why, why <laughs> eat a thing that's pretending to be meat? doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, you got to have alcohol. Don't have a non-alcoholic beer. beer. Yeah. So, do you I think – Okay. All right. So, go back I, to the topic at hand. How long, if you averaged out, and I'm talking from initial oh, analysis, this feels all like a one on one. I'm uncomfortable all of a sudden. <laughs> I have to do one of them. Gibbs keeps not going yeah. to mine. Um, and at the <laughs> end of the day, we should serve more non alcoholic beer. <laughs> Let's say it's a medium topic, not too, too in depth, but yeah. you, ha- you have to have a SME. They have to walk you through it. How long do you think it takes you to make a instructor led training on a system? For how uh, long? Hour? One hour. Assist, yeah, that's yeah, it. One hour. That's it. One hour system training. It's an ILT. ILT. Well, funny you should mention. That's that's kind of what I'm working on this week upcoming, and I have no longer than a week to do it. So, <laughs> so about a week. <laughs> um, no, I think if it's not too complicated, it's an ILT and it's system based training. I think I think a week. Is, so here's the thing, and here's the here's the qualifier that goes along with all of these numbers is it's not the actual work that goes into it. I mean, these are all good numbers. I'm sure they're sound, and they look like they're they're you know well founded, but it, it's. It's the pacing between the engagements with the SME and getting on their calendar. Mm-hmm. And that that can take a week of development time and stretch it across two and a half months. You know, mm-hmm. like that's that's the part that I think never really gets fairly represented here. Um, not that you can really account for that in any sort of quantitative way but um yeah i think to develop if you have access to the people that you need to have access to and access to the system 
that you have that you need the various user accounts that you need to do it and the in the files or, or setups that you need to do it i think i think it's not unreasonable to say within a week as long as you can walk you through it you practice you you plan uh, and i think to that's clarify, sensible that's the only thing you're working on during yeah, those well, exa- that, that that's what i'm saying i mean if and it, it, that's just like the SME accessibility like if you've got four massive projects mm-hmm. well now you can take that multiply by four the SME has 13 massive projects so now you're taking it and you know it just it just keeps stretching out and stretching out but right. when it boil it down this is maybe all that's at the bottom of the pot you know right so about one so you're you're about you're a little you're saying a little bit above the atd average Wait, what did they say? I think they, they said, said 1 to 29 hours. If I, 1 to 29. Yeah, okay. 1 to 29. Well, I take so lunch. you say 1 to 35. That's why I said 1 to 35 with a couple lunches. Coffee break. Yeah. Water like break. It, yeah, coffee. I got to go upstairs time. to use the restroom now. Get some so, Baileys. You know. Oh, okay. yeah. never mind. Baileys. And the coffee. Non-alcoholic, Non-alcoholic Baileys. <laughs> but I think it's just a very interesting topic. And I'm, I'm really curious about yeah. what these numbers continue to go towards. Um, because I know with a lot of companies and I've talked to other friends, it's, it's do more with less and do it faster, um, yeah. to move. And, and it's well, killing I, us though. It's, it's, it's killing stress, us. It's yeah. so dramatic. Well, no, I mean, you think about it. We move so fast. People are having heart attacks yeah. at younger ages. People are going on stress leave, high blood pressure. Well, okay. Cause then of, they should turn their goddamn phones off because that's half the problem and try eating a vegetable. <laughs> I'm not even going to go there, all Dad. The problems of, and, and don't drink non alcoholic beer. Oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah you drink the alcoholic beer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it'll, it'll be just one of those interesting things as as it keeps going. And I know next week I already kind of uh, sent you guys a topic, but t- talking about training of the future, ATD just released the new competency model. And I, I'm looking forward to diving into that because it's about 23 competencies, about 150 um skill descriptions throughout this uh, wow. model so really that sounds like we might have to do a special edition just focused on that i actually think that would be a good one to do live next week so um provided the technology works <laughs> <laughs> well so here's the thing if if that works out that means people are going to hear this if they listen to it as soon as it's available and then like 36 hours later we're going to be doing a live uh, live thing so we'll have to fine tune uh tune that but we, you may very well find us live and if you want to say satiate Adam's curiosity about how long it takes you to complete one hour of ILT uh, medium complexity training let us know at mosbylearning at gmail.com and as you heard Adam checks that on a regular basis and he will uh, let us know as soon as that email comes in so please do that you can find the show notes for this episode at mosby.ca slash zero one eight please take a few minutes um check out the show notes we always annotate them give you guys all the links here and we let you know when we talk about certain things and and all sorts of stuff so so please check that out uh you can follow us on twitter as well and that's just at mosby learning is that right adam i got mm-hmm. that right that is at mosby learning that's terrific there's no underscores there's no spaces just at mosby learning at mosby it's beautiful yes it's, it's almost too beautiful it's very clean it's possibly the best part of this whole podcast, our Twitter handle. <laughs> um, uh, Adam, where do you want folks to get a hold of you, should they uh, be LinkedIn, so inclined? just Adam Costix, uh, and that's uh, a LinkedIn profile. Or Adam Costix okay. at Gmail. That works, too. I'm pretty uh, hey, easy There to you find. go. 
putting it out there. All right, yeah. Gibbs, how about yourself? Where do you want people to find you? Cynthia Gibbs, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. With you didn't my... do your regular LinkedIn jingle. Oh, sorry. 13,000 connections. The false. All right, cool. I don't believe um, it. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Instagram, uh, Dan Talks Training. And then on Twitter, it's Dan Talks L N D. And as a Nancy. So uh, check us out there. Music for this episode, as always, provided by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com. He's got some uh, dandy Thank music. Thank you, Kevin. And what's that? That music always was a thank you to Kevin. by Kevin McLeod. That was a thank you to Kevin McLeod. Oh. Uh, maybe we got to get a jingle for Kevin. Maybe that's what we got to do. Um, but uh, he, yeah, he's got a lot of good music out there. And um, you know what he doesn't have? A Twitter handle. I've looked. He's not there. You know who does? Mosby Learning. So please <laughs> check us out there. See our tweets. See the things we say. Oh, you can find me on YouTube too, uh, where we post the episodes here. And on YouTube, I also try to section out the smaller, uh, smaller pieces that might be uh, just a, like a small contained unit, like can training fix it. I feel as though that's going to end up as a, a Mosby moment. We'll, uh, we'll see, though. Um, so thank you guys so much for spending the last hour with us, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. There we are, friends. There we are. All right. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Kevin.